you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast, an NFL podcast for the players, by the players. Here is your host, 14-year NFL veteran and Hall of Famer, Aeneas Williams. Hello, and welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast. I'm Aeneas Williams. Today we sit down with an NFL legend to discuss his call to action for social justice on NFL total access and how players can and should use their platforms to combat systematic racism. With us today is my fellow Hall of Famer, LaDainian Tomlinson. LT played 11 seasons as a running back with the Chargers and the Jets. He is a five-time Pro Bowler, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner, and an NFL Network analyst. LT, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Aeneas. Uh, I'm glad to be on with you talking about this important um, subject, obviously in light of what's going on today in our country. Well, it's amazing that we can have this discussion in the middle of a global pandemic and then be faced with dealing with the challenges in our country with the civil unrest. I remember just listening to your Hall of Fame speech we'll talk about a little bit later in this broadcast. And then I'm almost sure, I didn't ask Champ Bailey this, but when Champ did his speech, I wondered if what you shared kind of inspired him to be bold in his uh, induction speech as well. But I'll ask you that a little later. LT, tell us about your exchange with Andrew Siciliano on Total Access. In it, you referenced the NFL.com article you wrote calling players to action towards social justice. Can you describe what inspired you to write the article and what it's about? When I sat down, Aeneas, and really thought back over the last seven, eight years, actually since I retired, um, 2012, I thought about all the things that had transpired since then. And we, we see our players right now taking a stand. They're protesting. They're out in their communities protesting. Um, they're also, years back, Colin Kaepernick led the protests, uh, as we all know, when he kneeled. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, Aeneas, that is what started my Hall of Fame speech. You know, when, when all these things started transpiring, you know, the death of Trayvon Martin and you know, Michael Brown and countless others, I started to think about what I wanted to say in my Hall of Fame speech, because at that time, I knew that I needed to say something. I needed to make a statement because I didn't get to do that during my playing career. And so as I reflected back on my career, thinking to myself, man, why didn't I do more when I played? Why didn't I stand up more? Why didn't I have my own call to action. I knew what was going on in, in, in my own community. But selfishly, 
I guess I was too entrenched with trying to be the best player that I can be. And in this article, I, I just wanted to be totally transparent with the younger generation. I wanted to explain to them my reasoning in when I played, why I didn't do more, which I should have, and then the opportunity that they have going forward. And so with the Hall of Fame speech, all these things was running through my mind as I was preparing that speech in this. And, you know, at that point, I felt like it became bigger than me. This would be a message that would resonate throughout generations. I foresaw that. You can call it the spirit and God in me talking through me of what I needed to say. And I believe that wholeheartedly that that's the way I was led. But, you know, I think it did inspire guys like Champ Bailey to speak up and say something, you know, because quite frankly, it's our duty to. We're in the public eye and a lot of people look up to us. And it's really our job to be a great example for the younger generation. And now we're talking about the players that are playing today. So in that article, I, I just wanted to cover a, a multitude of things that I thought was important for them to understand. And in your Hall of Fame speech back in 2017, how important and what impact did your grandfather have on you? On America's team, let's not choose to be against one another. Let's choose to be for one another. My great, great, great grandfather had no choice. We have one. I pray we dedicate ourselves to be the best team we can be working and living together, representing the highest ideals of mankind, leading the way for all nations to follow. Well, uh, it had a great impact on me. And, and here's the thing, I never met my grandfather. And that's why it had a, a great impact on me because all the stories that I heard about my grandfather from my, on, on my mom's side and my dad's side, just the great stories of the type of men that they were. They were community leaders back then. You know, they, um, they fought for what was right back then, for equal rights back then. And so even though I never got to meet my grandfather, his spirit I felt it. it. It was inside of me as I was preparing my speech. And certainly on that that August night, uh, delivering that speech at the Hall of Fame, man, there was no spirit like like my grandfather and my father, uh, who have, who has passed away, it was inside of me that night. And in fact, a lot of people don't notice in this, after I delivered that speech and I walked off the stage, in, in the uh, in the back, I, I became overwhelmed with so many tears. And, and you, you talk about a spirit that you feel from your ancestors. I directly felt it. I mean, I felt every moving part. It went throughout my body. And I, could, I couldn't stop crying because I knew the impact that that had made. And I knew, I felt like I had done my, my grandfather, you know, my great, great, great grandfather, George, who I talked about in this speech, I had done them proud. I, I had done what they always wanted to be done, which was stand up and say something about injustices that are happening in our country. And in your speech, your call to unity, what did you mean by America's team? Yeah. So, you know, when you when you think about a team, and, you know, you and I have grew up playing team sports. And so the idea of a team is 
we have one common goal, all of us, and we're not going to let anything get in the way of us accomplishing that common goal. And that means not the color of your skin, not your background, not the culture you come from, your ideology, if you will. None of that matters because we all have the same goal and that's to accomplish winning and winning the championship. Well, I wanted to take that concept of a team and apply it to the ideas that America needs to have moving forward. You know, meaning we need to be for each other, all of us, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, all of us make up America. And if we all have the team America concept and ideas of unity and inclusion and diversity and equity and all those kind of things, if we have that concept, imagine Aeneas, if right. if that if that concept was adopted throughout this country in corporate America, we're talking about our major sponsors, our American-made brand sponsors. Imagine right. if they they adopted Team America philosophy. Imagine if our politicians in Washington adopt a Team America policy and idea instead of being Republicans and Democrats to make this world a better place. We all have to think as a team, because at the end of the day, what we all want, no matter what color you are, you want a better life for your, for your kids, the younger generation, all of us, all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was the idea in saying team America is to build bridges, you know, of unity across all religions, ideologies, cultures throughout the country. Recently, you said that your foundation, Team America, aims to lead our nation to a new standard of tolerance. What did you mean by that? And how has it been instrumental in turning the tide against social turbulence in our country? Well, you think about (laughs) the statement, a new standard of tolerance where we can argue the tolerance um, for so long, we haven't had much tolerance, you know, to be quite honest. It's been you against me for the most part. And I want want to accomplish more than you. And I got to make sure I stay ahead of you. And so a new standard tolerance simply means acceptance, you know, from everyone. As long as you work hard and you have, you know, the ideas that you're going to be a great citizen and uplift your fellow man, uplift your neighbor, that's the new standard of tolerance. Because at the end of the day, like we talked about, you know, it's about the younger generation and and what we want for them. So aiming for a new standard of tolerance, meaning everybody understanding that we have to have a new a new approach. We can no longer sit here and, and try to downgrade one community of people. And we have seen it for a long time. There are certain programs, in my opinion, that we, that we need to bring back into some of these communities, especially mm-hmm. in education. You know, for communities of, of color to feel equal again, to feel like they have an opportunity at that American dream. And until we understand 
when you say a new standard of tolerance, hey, I may not come from where you come from, but I understand you're willing to work hard for a piece of that, that you know, American pie, so to speak. And at the end of the day, that's all we want. And that's why, you know, Team America, I talk about aiming to lead this nation into a new standard of tolerance. And again, and this, this is, I'm, I'm aiming at corporations that need to adopt this philosophy. We, Correct. You know, we all need to have that, that idea um, going forward. Let's focus on your call to action on total access. You weighed in on the struggle you experienced while doing more towards social justice. Touch on that and how, how that made you feel. Well, sometimes I think you, you, um, you have setbacks, obviously, you know, there are some things that quite frankly, you, you don't have the door open to you. You know, you might want to, you know, for example, I've been wanting to do a town hall meeting in my own community with the mayor and, and local politicians, city council members, um, some community leaders. And, and, and that's been slow to, to happen. And, and part of it, I will say, is because of this pandemic of the COVID-19 that we're, that we're experiencing. But at the same time, these issues are not going away. And, and, and I think in order to understand each other, we simply have to communicate more. But beyond communicate more, you have to understand and befriend people that don't look like you. You right. know, if I want to understand my fellow white brother, I'm going to befriend him and get to know him, understand how he was raised, his background, and love him for who he is. And so when you talk about trying to bring people together, sometimes, you know, it's slow to happen. People have other ideas of the way it should happen. But I tell you what, I haven't stopped. My team, we've been talking a lot about making this happen, making this town hall meeting, what we would call a workshop, actually. We're going to make it happen, and we're going to have community leaders. We're going to have the mayor there. Um, you know, we're going to have our, our local politicians there, along with a lot of our, our youth in these communities to, to talk about um, culture and race and, and all these kind of things that we, we desperately need to be talking about. Because at the end of the day, it does start in your own community. I can't go outside my community and try to help some, some other community if I haven't taken care of my home first, if I haven't made this community better. And so we're working hard to try to try to make these things happen. In doing your interview on Total Access, you spoke about players utilizing their platform to combat systematic racism. Why is that important, LT? More than ever and throughout history, the players today, um, they have the ability to be seen by so many more people, to be heard by so many more people because of social media, you know, their Facebook pages and their Twitter accounts and all these types of things. And so they can speak up about certain issues um, and they will be heard. You know, I said in that piece that those players, our players have the biggest microphones in their own communities. So whatever communities they come from, 
they have the biggest microphone. For, so when they talk about some of these issues that are happening in their community, people listen. You know, just as we were, Aeneas, those kids now, they're the heroes in their communities. All those folks Correct. in their communities look up to those these kids that are in the league. And so it's it's their obligation to say something about injustices and things that are going on that needs to change. Because as I mentioned, when they speak, people will listen. I mean, we're seeing that today uh, more prevalent than, than it ever has been with so many guys. Um, you know, when you talk about developing, the guys developed the Players Coalition and, and they have been to the White House and talked to politicians about legislation. That is incredible stuff. You know, they, they are entrenched in this fight. And I say that I, I need to remind these guys that it's, it's not a sprint, this fight. It, it's a marathon. Right. This is a lifelong fight that you will forever, you know, be fighting for. Because um, throughout time, we have, we have slowly come along. You know, we slowly have come to more equal rights and more civil rights. Um, but obviously, as we talk about, there's so much more to go. And this younger generation, um, they're going to be the ones to do it. And, and here's the other reason, Aeneas, is I see a lot more of our white brothers and sisters joining the fight. Right. And even in the National right. Football League, you see a lot of our, our, our white brothers joining the fight and speaking up about you know, these injustices and and really making a stand saying this is this needs to change. And that's what we need more of. That's why it's gonna be that's why it's gonna be them, this generation, that really makes strides uh in in changing in the equality that we we desperately seek. In a recent article, you praised a video released by the collection of players calling on the league to condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people as being quite powerful. You went on to say, seeing a superstar like Patrick Mahomes say, I am Tamir Rice was powerful to you as it tapped into a direct heartbreaking reality that we as black men have to deal with our society. Talk about that reality that black men must face and how have you experienced that reality personally? Well, it's a, um, <laughs> you know, you talk about reality as something that you live every single day. Um, you know, when I get up in the morning, I, I, can't, I can't take off my black skin, you know, like it's clothes. And um, No, but you're a Hall of Famer. You went to TCU. It should be different, right? Huh. You know, that's... <laughs> and. and you know, Denise, to your point, a lot of people think that. A lot of people think it should be different. And in that article, I told the story about pulling up to a gas station. I was going hunting with a group of my friends, both black and white. And um, in the, it, we took two cars. And the car ahead of me was uh, my white friends. And I followed behind them. And um, we stopped at the gas station. And... Uh, I quickly recognized that there was a 
a police officer sitting over to the side, just watching traffic, you know, watching what goes on and see that's, you know, subconsciously, that's how we're, that's how we're uh, programmed as, as certainly as black males to pay attention to police or law enforcement when they're in the area, just to watch them, right. you know, because it's a natural, you get nervous, you know, it's, it's natural. And you mentioned being a hall of famer, it doesn't matter. I get nervous when an officer gets behind me because he may not know me. He, he may not know that I'm a hall of famer, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what happened in this particular situation as we got gassed up and, and started to hit the highway, my friends pulled off in front of me. I followed. And I see that the police officer cranks up his car and starts to follow me. And so we get, you know, maybe a mile up the road. And sure enough, he cuts on his headlights and pull, pulls me over. And my friends probably, you know, just a bit ways up, they pull over as well to wait on me. And so he walks up to the car and he said, hey, I, I noticed that you guys were conversing back and forth. You, you with that car that was in front of you? I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, well, um, what were you guys doing? Because there's a lot of drug activity, you know, that happens mm. in this area. I said, sir, we're going hunting. I said, and here's the thing. You pull over the black man instead of trying to pull us both over to, to ask questions. Why Why do you put over the black man? And that's what you call unconscious bias. It's just subconscious bias right. that, you know, on that side, right or wrong, they're ingrained sometimes to just think negative and trouble when you see a black person. And we have to get away from that because more often than not, that is so far from the truth. All of these things has happened to us. But the thing to think about and and to understand is how do you deal with these situations? You know, is it right to get all mad and and, and start screaming at the, that's, that's not the right way to handle it. And quite right. honestly, you know, having a, having a young son who just turned 10, I'm now starting to talk, have those conversations with him. And so that's the tough thing about it is having those conversations of, you know, the way you should act and the right thing, the things that you should do when you are addressing law enforcement and knowing that at the end of the day, the objective is to get home. Final question, LT, from from your call of action towards social justice to a united front on the Team America, you've done a great deal for our communities. Here we go. Tell me and tell us what's next in your journey to inspire change? Well, um, that's a good question. I mean, I think there's a number of things that I would love to see happen. You know, I recently read... Uh, an article about Atlanta and um, some of the things that they had done in the past. They had created this um, Citizens Review Board, and is and we're talking about police reform now. And I, I think that's right. one area that I would love to to tap into is is police reform. I'm not for um, you know defunding the police. I have a number right. of great police officer friends, you know, that are great officers. We have a lot of great officers, but I, I do think we, we need 
police reform in terms of how are we training these guys? You know, we, we need, you know, better diversity training and, and all these kinds of things. So I would love to tap into police reform. And the one thing I was just mentioning about Atlanta is what they did with their citizens review board is they gave, you know, community leaders some, some power at the table. They created this board um, consisting of community leaders, uh, mayor, uh, appointed uh, mayor officials. So the mayor had an opportunity to, to appoint somebody. You had city council members who appointed someone and they all, you know, this board was there to review um, the police law enforcement records, you know, uh, and, and they would go out throughout the year. If a law enforcement had a complaint, they would review it. And if the complaint was serious, then they would move forward and so forth and so forth. But the idea is transparency in the community, you know, that our officers serve in. Our community needs to feel safe when the when our officers go into these communities. They, they need to feel like they can have a conversation with them. And a lot of times they don't feel like that. They feel like I just mentioned, right. they're scared. They want to get away from them, you know, and, and it shouldn't be like that because we know what law enforcement is there for. They're there to protect us and, and make sure that we have the quality of life that we should have. And so that's one area, um, Aeneas, uh, amongst another is what I talked about earlier, is definitely creating that town hall meeting um, where we can get together and communicate a little bit more about what's going on in our communities and how our law enforcement can better serve our communities. Um, but again, <laughs> you know, considering what's going on um, in our right. country with, with, with COVID-19, who knows when we're going to be able to, to get out and do more um, at the grounds level. Right now, we're just having a lot of conversations. And quite frankly, I'm ready to turn those conversations, man, into action. Action. LT, this has been an amazing podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening in. The best is yet to come. This has been the NFL Legends Podcast. To provide feedback or request a topic for discussion, email us at nfllegends at nfl.com. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.